Good morning, everyone. A very happy and Merry Christmas to you all. What a pleasure to gather in Jesus' name and to celebrate his birth. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn there. And let's pray. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to be our Savior. We praise you for the incarnation that you have sent your Son in human form, that we could know you, that we could have eternal life through you and great joy forevermore in your presence. And just thank you for the taste of heaven we have every time we meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And thank you for your Spirit who is within us and uh, that you, you be glorified in this time. And we just praise and thank you for the, the amazing gifts you give us especially that of your son, in Jesus' name. Amen. So everyone has their Christmas traditions they do. Uh, maybe your tradition is not to have a traditional thing. Um, growing up, our tradition was to go to my grandparents' house, and we had like turkey and ham and tamales. Um, and you had the carved meat of the turkey, the, the white meat and the dark meat and the gravy, which you could, you could choose to have or not have. Um, and it was such a change for me coming to Australia and, and connecting mangoes and seafood to Christmas in summer. That was just a big change. And uh, while our Christmas menu at our household, it changes year to year, we do have one Boxing Day tradition of hot wings with the boxing test. So it's like an Australian-American uh, fusion. So, uh, yeah. And one thing that hasn't changed, too, is the Christmas carols we sing. So, uh, yeah, food getting together with folks and uh, singing the songs that proclaim our Savior's birth and how good he is, that baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And it's so special because we get to celebrate and remember the greatest gift ever given, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And when you have a baby, your family changes. When you have that second baby, your family changes in, in new ways. And when Jesus was born, Every person, the, the life for everyone changed because born to us this day is our Savior Christ the Lord. So the, the course of humanity was all impacted because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And all who place their faith in him will become children of God according to God's will, which is just awesome. So today, Luke chapter 2, we're going to trace the historical events of Jesus' birth and we're going to talk about some of the carols that we know and some that we've even sung today. Because these songs point to the scripture, the truth that, uh, of Christ's birth and, and everything he's done. So let's begin in chapter 2 of Luke, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Caesar Augustus, he made this decree that everyone was to go to their hometown to be registered and also taxed. And we read of a man named Joseph. He was a descendant of King David, who was from the town of Bethlehem. And he went from Galilee with his betrothed wife. So they had been betrothed to be married. They weren't physically together yet, though, because they had not had the ceremony. Before they came together, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. 
and she had a son. And like the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, it was a small town. Uh, The city was small, but God had big plans for what he was going to do there. And God had spoken of it through the prophet Micah 700 years previous in Micah 5.2, where it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Anyone know what the um, name Bethlehem means? Hmm. Very, yeah, very good. So city of meat or house of bread. House of bread in Ephrathah means fruitful. So the fruitful house of bread. Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the ruler, the one who had existed forever, the one who now was taking human form, God with us, Emmanuel. And the Jews interpreted this ruler that would come from Bethlehem to be the Christ because in John 7:42 they said has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was and these were people who weren't even trusting in Jesus at that time but they knew what the scripture said that from the scripture Bethlehem would be the place where the Messiah would be born the city of David Picking up in Luke 2, verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem being registered, paying their taxes, she gives birth to her firstborn son, swaddled him in cloth strips, his name, he was called Jesus. This would have kept him warm. It would have been comfortable and calm. And he was placed not in a cot, but in a manger. So he's not born in a home or a hospital. He was born and laid in a manger, like the song Away in a Manger says. Now, a manger, it's a feeding trough. It's the place where you would pile your hay for your animals to eat, like goats or donkeys or oxen. It'd be the place for eating. So straw for bedding, hay for eating. For a, like, I'm not a country, I'm not a farmer. So it's like, oh, I need to make these distinctions. Uh, so yes, there, he's laid in a manger because there was no room in the inn. There was no place for him. And nothing that happened on that night long ago was accidental or not prepared by God. So you show up to your hometown and you figure there's going to be a place for you, but there's no room. And so Jesus is laid in a manger, a feeding trough, and it would accomplish God's good purposes in sending a savior. Verse eight. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now there's a shift in the story from Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the manger to shepherds out in a field, a dark field at night. What began as a quiet, dark night was suddenly broken by the glory of God and angels standing before them proclaiming 
the birth of Christ. And the angel, it says, he brought forth good tidings of great joy, which should be for all people. And so we are included in all people. Unto us this day, and that's a strange thing to hear, right? These shepherds are in a field, and he says, born to you this day a savior. Like, are you having a kid? Are you having a kid? No, but born to us this day in the city of David, a savior. And the way they would know that it was the that they would find this child is he would be laid in a feeding trough in a manger because that's not the normal place to place a baby, even all that time ago. That's not where you put babies, right? So suddenly, like the song Silent Night, it was once silent, but then angels proclaiming glory to God. Like the song says, Silent Night, Holy Night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing, Alleluia, Christ the Savior is born. Angels we have heard on high, we sang that today, and uh, you were singing some Latin so, Gloria in excelsis Deo, that's glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And the shepherds, having heard this, they didn't go back to their flocks. They wisely said, let's go to Bethlehem and see what God has revealed to us. They left their flocks in haste. They go to Bethlehem to see the Savior who had been born to them. Now, when you see a gift with your name on it, and I think back to my childhood, going to grandpa and grandma's house. There was this pile of gifts and you knew that somewhere amongst those there could be and likely was one with your name on it. And you would be casual at first. You'd be like, oh, what's that? Oh. And then you'd, you'd start maybe getting a little closer and maybe even lift one to just, is that? And you'd kind of scope things out, you know? Now, would you be satisfied just to know what's in the gift that has your name on it? You're like, I know that's that toy I've been wanting or that tool that I would like to use. And you're just, I'm satisfied knowing what's in there. Of course not. You want to open that gift and receive that gift to use that gift, right? You're not comfortable just with knowing what it is and being satisfied. No, you're satisfied when you have it in your hands and you're like, it's mine, right? How good is that? I remember years ago, my friend told me his little brother, who's about four at the time, he woke up before everyone else at like 4 a.m. and opened every gift under the tree. Everyone's. He just wanted to know what everyone had, and then the parents had to quickly go back to bed and put everything back together as best they could. So I don't recommend doing that, but that's what happened. The shepherds were not content just to hear about Jesus. They went to go see Jesus. They wanted to see what is this child that God has provided, and they sought him, and it says, when they found him, in verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they returned to their flocks, praising God, uh, having received that gift by faith and saying, this is the Christ. He was in a manger, just like the angel said. And they told everyone about him. May we do the same. And if we tell others about a toy or a tool that's pretty neat, that we're like, that's awesome that we have that, and we, we volunteer that information, well, shouldn't we volunteer the truth of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, who he is for this world, that he is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, the Christ? 
Luke 2.52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So Jesus did not remain a baby in a manger. He grew up. He grew to be a man. He had 12 disciples he called to follow him. He went throughout Israel preaching repentance in the kingdom of God. He did many signs to show that he was the Christ, that his words carried weight, that what he said was true when he did these miraculous things. One time he miraculously fed um, 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish, plus their families. And it says, after that event, people sought him. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to John 6, 27, we'll see how Jesus explained something about himself they didn't understand. They were looking for more bread to eat because he had given them bread to the full the previous day. But he said, don't work for the food that's perishing, Look for the food that gives you everlasting life. Now, if you could find that kind of food, would you want it to have everlasting life? And not life like a painful, tortured existence, but a joyful, fulfilling, satisfying existence in the presence of God. John 6, 27, it says, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives, gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The ministry of Moses, like that of Jesus, was marked by miracles, right? There were those plagues that were poured out. There was the Red Sea that parted. And they said, we want you, Jesus, to give us a sign so that we'll believe you. And Jesus is like, I am the sign. It's not about the signs that I do. It's about who I am. I am the bread of life. He was that baby born to a virgin and laid in a manger in Bethlehem. He spoke of manna, bread from heaven that their fathers had eaten and satisfied them for over 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. And we hear it described in Exodus 16, 14, and 15. It says, and when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Now, that's a really strange name for food, right? What is it? Now, you've probably said that when someone made some food, and you're like, hmm, I've never seen this before, and this must be special food, holiday food, food that I'm not really familiar with. What is it? Tell me what it is, and I'll eat it. So they called it manna, which literally means, what is it? Because they didn't know. They had not eaten this bread before. They ate that food, that bread from heaven, by faith that it was provided by God for their health. And Jesus explained the miraculous manna eaten by their forefathers. It was given to, by God to sustain their lives. But Jesus is the bread of life who gives eternal life that you will receive him, you will live forever. Now, if I went outside or you went outside and you saw these little white uh, circular things on the ground. Would you eat them? I wouldn't. 
I don't know what they are. Like, let's eat that. No, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not, I don't eat things off the ground usually. The five-second rule is not uh, in operation because I don't even know what it is. It's not like I dropped it and I could pick it up. It's something that's just there. Their, father, their fathers, the Jewish fathers, they ate manna and they lived for decades. And Jesus is like, you're to receive me by faith and live forever. He continued in John 6, 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus points out, those who ate manna, they ended up dying, Moses included, but those who receive Jesus by faith, they are given eternal life by grace through faith in him. Now Moses, he wrote of the purpose of God sending manna in Deuteronomy 8. He said, God allowed his people to hunger. He fed them with manna to teach them that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He also gave them manna to humble them, to test them, and to do them good in the end. You can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So to everyone who's hungry for forgiveness, who's hungry for acceptance, who's hungry for salvation, Jesus, the bread of life, has come. He has come, and we celebrate him today, and we proclaim him, because over 2,000 years ago, in a little town called Bethlehem, the house of bread, Jesus, the bread of life, was born and he was laid in a manger, a feeding trough, so all people could partake of him by faith and have eternal life. Jesus, he would later die on a cross. He rose from the dead and that proved he's able to forgive sins and give everlasting life to all who trust in him. Now, receiving Christ is very different than receiving a t-shirt that you hang in your closet or jewelry that you wear on a special occasion or a car you drive places or something you would store away in a safe and say, well, at least I have that and now I can just tuck it away and, and use it when I need it. Jesus is not a gift for us to use. He's not something we put on a shelf to display or something to gather dust or, or lock away because Jesus died for us and because he gives eternal life to all trust in him, we have the opportunity to be born again through faith in him. When you trust in Christ as your savior, all your sins are atoned for and forgiven by his grace. And we are like newborn babes that God gifts himself when we're born again, that we now have a relationship with him that we never had before in our sin. We can be forgiven and we can have a relationship with the Holy God who loves us, who's given himself for us. And because the Holy Spirit fills us, we can be used by God and be fruitful for his kingdom, just like those shepherds who were praising God and celebrating him and proclaiming him to everyone because he is, he is here, he is alive, and he gives life to all who trust in him. So what joy and gratitude we should have for the living bread come from heaven the God of glory inhabiting human flesh, the greatest gift ever given. And I love this, the song, Joy to the World, because it's a good exhortation for everyone, where it says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. There was no room for Joseph and Mary in the inn, but may we make room in our hearts for Christ. Jesus, the Lord, really the guest of honor, the Lord of glory in our hearts, in our lives. Invite him in to your celebrations and proclaim him boldly because there's no Christmas without Christ. Let's thank the Lord for his indescribable gift and for his presence with us today and always by his grace. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to be our Savior, for the living bread come down from heaven that we can receive by faith and have eternal life, that we can be born again into the family of God. Lord, what a joy it is to celebrate you. Thank you for your wisdom and for your ways that are higher than ours and the way you have orchestrated our salvation from before time began and that you've made a way for us to know you and have a relationship with you through Jesus, the greatest gift ever given. And Lord, may, th- may it be through our lives we would give you praise, we would give you our lives to glorify and honor you because you are good and glorious, our King and Father forever. So Lord, I pray that you would uh, just inspire us by this message, by your word, and empower us to be your faithful followers and that you'd be honored this Christmas and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.